TED Talks are recorded live at the TED Conference and produced with WNYC New York Public Radio. This episode features Robert Fischel, inventor of biomedical life-saving devices and winner of the 2005 TED Prize. TED Talks are made possible through the support of BMW, where ideas are everything. Here's Robert Fischel. Well, I'd like to say it's a great honor to be here and to be selected. And I want to say that I've spent my life inventing medical device technology for the sake of all humankind. I'm going to discuss with you three of my inventions that can have an effect on tens to 100 million people. At the present time, it takes an average of three hours after the first symptoms of a heart attack are recognized by the patient before that patient arrives at an emergency room and people with silent ischemia, which translated into English means they don't have any symptoms, it takes even longer for them to get to the hospital. The AMI, acute myocardial infarction, which is a doctor's big word so they can charge you more money, means a heart attack. And what's the statistics in the USA? Well, annual incidence, 1.2 million Americans. Mortality, 300,000 people dying each year. About half of them, 600,000, have permanent damage to their heart that will cause them to have very bad problems later on. Thus, 900,000 people either had died or have significant damage to their heart muscle. Symptoms are often denied by the patient, particularly us men, because we're very brave. We're very brave, and we don't want to admit that I'm having a hell of a chest pain. Then approximately 25% of all patients never have any symptoms. What are we going to do about them? How can we save their lives? Well, what is needed for the earliest possible warning of a heart attack? A means to determine if there's a complete blockage of a coronary artery. That, ladies and gentlemen, is a heart attack. That is a sure sign of a heart attack. And if we had a computer put into the body of a person who's at risk, we could know before they even have symptoms that they're having a heart attack to save their life. Well, the doctor can program a level of this ST elevation voltage that will trigger an emergency alarm vibration like your cell phone, but in right by your clavicle bone. And when it goes beep, 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 you better do something about it because if you want to live, you have to get to some medical treatment. So we have to try these devices out, because the FDA won't just let us use them on people unless we try it out first. And the best model for this is, happens to be, pigs. And what we tried with the pig was external electrodes on the skin, like you see in an emergency room. And I'm going to show you why they don't work very well. We blocked the pig's artery to simulate a heart attack. After 43 seconds... Even an expert couldn't tell the difference. And then we put a lead, which is a wire, in the right ventricle inside the heart, which does the electrogram, which is the signal voltage from inside the heart. What happened when we looked inside the pig's heart to the electrogram? 
I'll bet even you people who are untrained can see the difference. And we see here an ST segment elevation right after this sharp line. Every lay person could see that difference. And computers can be programmed to easily detect it. So we see that the signal that's actually in the heart, we can use it to tell people that they're having a heart attack even before they have symptoms so we can save their life. Then we tried it with my son, Dr. Tim Fischel. We tried it on some human patients who had to have a stent put in. Well, he kept the balloon filled to block the artery to simulate a blockage, which is what a heart attack is. And it's not hard to see the ST elevation. And if we had a computer that could detect it, we could tell you you're having a heart attack so early it can save your life and prevent congestive heart failure. And then he did it again. We filled the balloon again a few minutes later. And here you see, even after 10 seconds, a great rise in this piece, which we can have computers inside under your chest like a pacemaker with a wire into your heart like a pacemaker. And computers don't go to sleep. We have a little battery. And on this little battery, that computer will run for five years without needing replacement. So what does the system look like? Well, the IMD, which is implantable medical device, it's about the size of a pacemaker, is implanted with very conventional techniques. And the EXD is an external device that you can have on your night table. It'll wake you up and tell you to get your tail to the emergency room when the thing goes off, because if you don't, you're in deep doo-doo. So... What is the response to acute myocardial infarction, a heart attack, today? Well, you feel some chest pain or indigestion. It's not all that bad. You decide not to do anything. Several hours pass, and it gets worse, and even the man won't ignore it. Finally, you go to the emergency room. You wait as Burns and other critical patients are treated because 75% of the patients who go to an emergency room with chest pains don't have AMI, so you're not taking very seriously. They finally see you. It takes more time to get your electrocardiogram on your skin and diagnose it, and it's hard to do because they don't have the baseline data which the computer we put in you gets. Finally, if you're lucky, you finally treat in three or four hours after the incident, but the heart muscle has died. And that is the typical treatment in the advanced world, not Africa. That's the typical treatment in the advanced world today. So we developed the Angel Med Guardian system, and we have a device inside this patient called the implanted Angel Med Guardian. And when you have a blockage, the alarm goes off. And it sends the alarm and the electrogram to an external device which gets your baseline electrogram from 24 hours ago and the one that caused the alarm. So you can take it to the emergency room, show them, and say, take care of me right away. Then it goes to a network operations center where they get your data from your patient database that's been put in at some central location, say, in the United States. Then it goes to a diagnostic center, and within one minute of your heart attack, your signal appears on the screen of a computer, and the computer analyzes what your problem is, and the person who's there, the medical practitioner, calls you. This is also a cell phone and says... Mr. Smith, you're in deep doo-doo, you have a problem. 
We've called the ambulance. The ambulance is on the way. It'll pick you up. It's going to take you to the hospital. That's the emergency room that it's going to. And then we're going to call your doctor. Tell him about it. We're going to send him the signal that we have that says you have a heart attack. And we're going to send the signal to the hospital. And we're going to have it analyzed there. And there you're going to be with your doctor and you'll be taken care of. So you won't die of a heart attack. So that's the first invention that I wanted to describe. And now I want to talk about something entirely different. At first, I didn't think migraines, headaches, were a big problem because I never had a migraine headache. But then I spoke to some people who have three or four every week of their life, and they had, their lives are being totally ruined by it. So we have a mission statement for our company doing migraine, which is prevent or ameliorate migraine headaches by the application of a safe, controlled magnetic pulse applied as needed by the patient. Now, you're probably very few physicists here. If you're a physicist, you'd know the certain Faraday's law which says, if I apply a magnetic pulse on salt water, that's your brains, by the way, it'll generate electric currents, and the electric current in the brain can erase a migraine headache. That's what we have discovered. The patients who have a migraine preceded by an aura have a, have a band of excited neurons that moves at three to five millimeters a minute towards the midbrain. And when the hits the midbrain, that's when the headache begins. And this visual aura begins little with little dancing lights, gets bigger and bigger until it fills your whole visual field. And what we tried was this. Our experimentalist, the neurologist, said, I'm going to erase half your aura. And by God, the neurologist did erase it by a short magnetic pulse. What does that mean? That means that the magnetic pulse is generating an electric current that's interfering with the erroneous electrical activity in the brain. And finally says, okay, now I'm going to all of the aura get erased with an appropriate placed magnetic pulse. So what is the result? We designed a magnetic depolarizer that you could have a lady in her pocketbook, and when you get an aura, you can try it and see how it works. Well, the next thing they have to show is what was on ABC News Channel 7 last week in New York City in the 11 o'clock news. Let me see if this works. For anyone who suffers from migraine headaches, and there are 30 million Americans who do, tonight a possible answer. I went to Zuzu Border Stacey Sager tonight with a small and portable machine that literally zaps your migraines away. Well, my first reaction was that it was... Uh it looked awfully gun-like, and it was very strange. But for Christina Sidebottom, almost anything was worth trying, if it could stop a migraine. It may look silly or even frightening as you walk around with it in your purse, but researchers here in Ohio organizing clinical trials for this migraine zapper say it is scientifically sound. That in fact, when the average person gets a migraine, it's caused by something similar to an electrical impulse. The zapper creates a magnetic field 
to counteract that. In other words, we're treating electricity with electricity rather than treating electricity with the chemicals uh, that we're, we're using nowadays. Christina now swears by it. It's been the most wonderful thing for my migraine. Researchers hoping to present their studies to the FDA this summer. I'm Stacy Sager, Channel 7, Eyewitness News. And that is the invention to treat migraines. The third and last invention began with an idea. Epilepsy can best be treated by responsive electrical stimulation. Responsive electrical stimulation means that we sense at a place in your brain, which is called an epileptic focus, which is where epilepsy, where the epileptic seizure begins, we sense there that it's going to happen, and then we respond by applying an electrical energy at that spot, which erases the errant signals so that you don't get the clinical manifestations of the migraine headache. We use current pacemaker defibrillator technology that's used for the heart. We thought we could adapt it for the brain. The device could be implanted under the scalp to be totally hidden and avoid wire breakage, which occurs if you put it in the chest and you try to move your neck around. Form a company to develop a neuropacemaker for epilepsy as well as other diseases of the brain because all diseases of the brain are a result of some electrical malfunction in it. So we formed a company called Neuropace, and we started work on responsive neurostimulation. Here we have our device in which we put in a frame. The neurosurgeon has a template. He marks it around and uses a dental bird to remove a piece of the cranial bone exactly the size of our device. And then, with four screws, we put in a frame. Then we snap in the device, and we run with wires to the epileptic focus, the origin of the epilepsy, where we can sense the electrical signal and have computer analysis that tells us when to hit it with some electrical current to prevent the clinical manifestation of the seizure. The advantage is responsive neurostimulation. It can detect and terminate seizures before the clinical symptoms occur, provide stimulation only when needed, can be turned off if seizures disappear. It has minimal side effects. As a matter of fact, in all our clinical trials to date, we've seen no side effects in the 40 or so patients in whom it's been implanted. And it's an invisible, cosmetically hidden. So if you have epilepsy and you have the device, no one will know it because you can't tell that it's there. At any rate, that concludes my discussion of epilepsy and which is the third invention that I want to discuss here this afternoon. So I have three wishes. I'm into medical gadgetry. So the first wish is to use the epilepsy responsive neural stimulator called RNS for responsive neural stimulator. That's a brilliant acronym for the treatment of other brain disorders. Well, if we're going to do it for epilepsy, why the hell not try it for something else? The brain operates by electrical signals. 
if the electrical signals create a brain disorder, electrostimulation can overcome that disorder by acting on the brain's neurons. In other words, if you've screwed up electrical signals, maybe by putting other electrical signals from a computer in the brain, we can counteract that. A signal in the brain that triggers brain dysfunction might be sensed as a trigger for electrostimulation, like we're doing with epilepsy. But even if there is no signal, electrostimulation of an appropriate part of the brain can turn off a brain disorder. And consider treating psychotic disorders such as obsessive-compulsive disorder that presently is not well-treated with drugs and includes 5 million Americans. And Mr. Fisher and his group at Neuropace and myself believed that we can have a dramatic effect in improving OCD in America and in the world. So that is the, uh, the first wish. The second wish is at the present time, the, cr- the clinical trials of transcranial magnetic stimulators device to treat migraine headaches appears to be quite successful. Well, that's the good news. The present portable device is far from optimally designed, both as to human factors as its appearance. I think she said it looks like a gun. People, a lot of people don't like guns. And engage a company having prior successes for human factors engineering and industrial design to optimize the design of the first portable TMS device that will be sold to the patients who have migraine headaches. And that is the second wish. And of the $100,000 prize money that Ted was so generous to give me, I'm donating $50,000 to the NeuroPACE people to get on with the treatment of OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, and I'm making another $50,000 available for a company to optimize the design of the device for migraine, and that's how I will use my $100,000 prize money. Well, the third and final wish is, um, unfortunately, it's much more complicated because it involves lawyers. <laughs> well, medical malpractice litigation in the U.S. has escalated the cost malpractice insurance so that competent physicians are leaving their practice. Lawyers take cases on contingency with the hope of a big share of a big settlement by a sympathetic jury because this patient really ended up badly. The high cost of health care in the U.S. is partly due to litigation and insurance costs. I've seen graphs in today's USA Today showing it skyrocketing out of control, and this is one factor. A major part of the problem is the nature of the written, extensive, informed consent that the patient's spouse must read and sign. For example, I asked the epilepsy people, what are they using for informed consent? Would you believe... 12 pages, single space, the patient has to read before they're in our trial to cure their epilepsy. What do you think someone has at the end of reading 12 single space pages? They don't understand what the hell it's about. That's the present system. How about making a video with visual presentation of the anatomy and procedure done with animation? Everybody knows that we can do better 
with a visual thing that can be interactive with the patient where they see the video and they're being videoed. So then they press, do you understand this? No, I don't. Well, then let's go to a simpler explanation. Then there's a simpler one. And, oh, yes, I understand that. Well, press the button and you're on record. You understand. And that is one of the ideas. Now, also a video is done of the patient, spouse, and medical presenter with the patient agreeing that he understands the procedure to be done, including all the possible failure modes. The patient and spouse agree not to file a lawsuit if one of the known procedure failures occurs. Now, in America, in fact, you cannot give, your right, give up your right to trial by jury. However, if a video is there that everything was explained to you and you have it all in the video file, it'll be much less likely that some hotshot lawyer will take this case on contingency because it won't be nearly as good a case. If a medical error occurs... The patient and spouse agree to a settlement for fair compensation by arbitration instead of going to court. That would save hundreds of millions of dollars in legal costs in the United States and would decrease the cost of medicine for everyone. So these are just some starting points. And that's the end of all my wishes. I wish I had more wishes, but three is what I got, and there they are. That was Robert Fischel, recorded at the TED Conference in Monterey, California, February 2005. TED Talks are produced by WNYC New York Public Radio for TED and made possible in part through the support of BMW, where ideas are everything. For more information on TED, visit TED.com.